Randy Schuler from the Beauty Brains here, and I am thrilled to announce that we'll be back in two weeks with an all-new episode. But until then, you can listen and learn from this blast from the past. In today's Encore presentation, we explain how companies greenwash products. You know, in other words, how they make cosmetics appear to be more natural than they really are. Take it away, Perry. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me, as always, my co-host, Randy Schuler. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the showgram. The showgram. I, I like that. I wonder if we could trademark that. <laughs> I stole it from somebody else, so I doubt it. Come on. In the history of entertainment, I'm sure showgram has never been used. <laughs> you know, it always reminds me that like there never really are any new ideas, are there? That's a depressing thought. No, but I mean, the stuff we have now is cooler than the stuff they had 100 years ago, right? So it, it's cooler, it's just not based on new ideas? Right, the the old ideas all get reinvented to create new ideas. That's that's how we can keep having uh, new cosmetics every single year, like <laughs> a ton of new cosmetics, even though there haven't been really any new ideas in cosmetics in years, right? Yeah, it's true. You know, I uh, I don't know if you actually read uh, you know thebeautybrains.com, but we have a series <laughs> we have a series called uh, Vintage Cosmetic Video, and I you know we go back in time and find uh, old TV commercials for beauty products and talk about the beauty science behind those. And it's just amazing how many of those ideas just get recycled over and over again over the decades. I love those old video ones, and of course on. <laughs> On occasion, I do read the beauty brand. <laughs> no, come on. I, I just, it's in my RSS feed. I, I see every post that you've written. <laughs> and I've read everything that you've written. So enough with the nerdy geek love. What are we talking about today? Oh, uh, Today, remember our last episode where we talked about sustainability and everything? This is the, uh, the follow-up to that cliffhanger from our last episode. <laughs> That's right. We had mentioned the term greenwashing. Right. So I thought we would go about and uh, talk about greenwashing and what it is and how it affects people and why, at least I believe, or we believe, as the formulators, that greenwashing isn't really going anywhere. Mm, that's, that's a good point. So, all right, so I'll bite. What is greenwashing? Well, I was reminded of greenwashing because I saw an article in one of the the feeds that I read about the cosmetic industry where they were saying uh, that greenwashing is getting a lot harder in the natural cosmetic segment. Um, and so to, to backtrack, greenwashing is uh, its sort of the practice of taking a regular old product, uh, dropping in a few ingredients and that would be considered natural by almost anybody, and then calling it a natural product. Uh, when the natural movement and the green movement sort of started, you know, back in the early 90s. This was a, a pretty common thing to do. Uh, in fact, uh, I may have worked on a, a project <laughs> where we took our regular product, we dumped in a few extracts, you know, cucumbers, strawberry, kiwi, mm -hmm. uh, and instead of it being a regular shampoo, it was now a natural shampoo. And we changed the color and the packaging and the labels and made it uh, natural. And, you know, the truth is uh, people bought the hell out of that product. <laughs> well, 
Well, and uh, I, I remember that product launch, and that was really a knockoff of an even more successful uh, greenwashed product, which was the restaged Herbal Essences hair care line. Um, ah, the organic experience. Remember right, those, right, those right. commercials where the women would be in showers and uh, they yeah. would be really enjoying their shampoo. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, so yeah, so that product, like you said, it uh, it sold like crazy, and so you know we basically knocked off the idea and came out with our brand's version of, of a natural product. So uh, you'd think that uh, you know all these years later things would be better, but they're really not so much better. You can still go on. Uh, you see this on Amazon.com all the time if you look at beauty products, and you'll see something like, you know, our natural formula includes, and then you'll see several, you know, plant extracts listed. And if you don't dig any further, you know, it would be easy for you to believe. I mean, how, how would you know any different? You'd think those are the only ingredients in the formula. Okay, it's got avocado oil and raspberry extract and uh, marula oil. It's like, wow, that, that's a great natural product. Well, if you were to look at the full ingredient list, you would see most of the same ingredients you see in every other shampoo. But they're only calling out the natural ingredients. That's one way to greenwash. Right. Greenwashing is really the art of storytelling. It's <laughs> taking, your, taking your regular product, um, putting some story ingredients in it, and in the business we call them claims ingredients. Mm-hmm. And then spinning the whole story about your product as it being natural. And natural products kind of imply that they're somehow different from the products that aren't calling themselves natural. And so this is the notion of greenwashing. Now this uh, this this one article I read suggested that that was going to go away, but I don't really think that's going to go away. And there are a couple of reasons, I think, from a formulating standpoint that they're not going away. So let's talk about those and... Uh, so just how this is going to impact consumers. Okay. Well, um, you know, is it, you know, will it go away at some point in the far-flung future? It's hard to say. But right now in today's market, the natural cosmetic market is still a fraction of the total cosmetic industry. Depending on whose numbers you, you go with, it's somewhere around 10 to 15%. So, you know, so what does that mean? Well, the big cosmetic companies and even some of the small ones aren't going to rush out to change their best-selling formulas that have been well-tested with consumers that work perfectly well, you know, that deliver against the benefits they claim. They're not going to go run out and change those formulas so they can go attract a smaller portion of the market. So they may uh, instead choose to greenwash, which would be to take those great formulas, throw in a little jojoba oil, and boom, it's a natural product. Or they might even greenwash even sim- more simply. Instead of having a an all-black bottle, they'll have an all-black bottle with a splash of green on it with the word <laughs> natural. Are you telling me that you can just put a picture of a leaf on the bottle and people will think it's green? <laughs> it is surprising how how little a packaging change you have to make to convince people that something is green. I should also mention like the size of the cosmetic industry. You ever you ever know how how big the worldwide cosmetic industry is? Uh $750,000. Yes. <laughs> and it's not 44 billion either. Now actually, I see what you worldwide... I see what you I see what you did there with the 44 though cuz that's your favorite number. <laughs> it's my signature in every episode. We'll work the number 44 in or at least Good luck with that. Not if I have anything to say about it. (laughs) Right. Uh, So the worldwide cosmetic industry 
Uh, and this is every this is personal care, color cosmetics, fragrance, everything. Right. Um, it is last I checked, four hundred and fifty billion dollars worldwide. Four hundred and fifty billion. Now, does that include toothpaste? A toothpaste, oral care, everything. Okay. What, what care. about does it include fungal foot spray? <laughs> and, uh, those would be OTC, so it does not include. Oh, uh, okay. That. All right. Very well. Speaking of fungal foot sprays, how about another reason why uh, cosmetics are going to be greenwashed? Uh, is it the idea, um, is it the idea that they're not going to work as well? That is the idea. Uh, one of the biggest challenges with uh, formulating something that's all natural is that you are reducing the number of ingredients that you can use. And while people don't like uh, the fact that there are petroleum products and we're using up petroleum, it's not sustainable, we will eventually run out. Uh, the fact is, the reason cosmetic chemists still formulate with petrol atom and mineral oil uh, is because these things work. Uh, they work better uh, than most any natural ingredient that we can find. Uh, mm. And so when you reduce the number of ingredients that you're able to use, you're getting rid of your you know, you're reducing your palette of colors, as it were. Um, you just can't make a product that works as well, or it certainly doesn't work as uh, work better. And in fact, most all natural cosmetics uh, just do not work as well as the standard products you buy. You know, I think that's and, one of the the most important messages we can help people understand because it's, it, I think it's kind of counterintuitive to the average consumer, right? So this, so this hair care product with um, you know, marula oil is a, is a very popular ingredient. How can that not work as well as, you know, uh, behenna trimonium chloride, which is a, a nasty chemical, right? The natural product has to be better. Well, in reality, for the most part, those natural ingredients just rinse off your hair from a shampoo or a rinse-off conditioner, whereas some of the chemicals that have been developed to condition hair are actually chemically modified, so they stick to your hair even through rinsing. So right there, it's you know, there's a key reason why it's not easy to substitute a natural ingredient into a shampoo or conditioner and have it work as well. Yeah, and remember, there are no body wash trees out there, right? So <laughs> you can't go, you can't go to a tree and say, you know, give me a cosmetic. Cosmetics are not natural. <laughs> In fact, the natural thing is for people to smell and you know look different than they do. <laughs> Didn't you try that for a while? <laughs> uh, no, I, I always bathe. I, oh. I did go an entire month where I only washed my hair with conditioner. You so you that you did co-washing, right? Co-washing, or as some people like to say, no poo. <laughs> That's so immature. Uh, and just how, how did how did that work out for you? The the no poo month. No no, it would be November. No poo vember. <laughs> November. Uh, actually, uh, I have to say, I you know, I made it the whole month, and you just have to get used to your hair feeling different. And I think that's one of the points of these natural cosmetics. Uh, you shouldn't expect, as a consumer, if you're going to go buy all natural cosmetics, don't expect that they're going to work the same way as the products that you're used to using. They're they're not going to work as well. They might work well enough, though. Yeah, and and let's just hope that if they are all natural, they're using a, a validated preservative system because it's also easy for for all natural products to become contaminated if they're not preserved with, you know, what would normally be considered synthetics. 
Well, this lack of preservation in the cosmetic industry is a whole nother topic that we can yeah, get into well, on another show. Well, we'll come back to that later. So give me a third Indeed. reason why uh, greenwashing will still persist. Well, the truth is consumers are not really that good at knowing the difference, um, at discerning differences in cosmetics. Uh, in fact, if you make something smell a certain way or you make it a certain color or package change, uh, people aren't they're gonna they're gonna like the product because of how it smells and how it looks more than how it works I'm reminded of a story when I was uh, formulating a shampoo um, in fact in in the, in the lab what we would do is you would make a formula and you might give it out to 15 or 20 people and you'd say hey well, what are the differences between these two formulas and I was just curious once I was working on a shampoo so I so I made the cheapest shampoo formula that we had in our repertoire, and I made uh, another one, which was this two-in-one formula, which is supposed to work as well as the market leader at the time. Mm -hmm. And when I tried both of them side to side, I could tell immediately that the two-in-one was superior, and I did it on a blinded basis, and I could tell. And I was curious whether other people could tell, so I took those formulas, and I made them look and smell the same. Uh, and I handed it out to a panel of 20 people. And actually, you were one of the panelists. And I only remember that you were one of the panelists because of the 20 people who tried these two <laughs> formulas, you and I were the only ones who could tell the difference. <laughs> so even trained scientists can't tell huge differences in cosmetics. And so this idea of greenwashing is going to stick around because uh, consumers have a hard time telling the difference between uh, something that's greenwashed and something that's actually natural. Hmm, interesting. Again, that's sort of counterintuitive, but, uh, but it's true. Um, I'll give you another reason that greenwashing will stick around. It's because it's cheaper. <laughs> you know, it's very, ex <laughs> uh, very expensive to formulate a truly natural product, especially if you're adhering to you know, esoteric organic rules where you can't use certain fertilizers and it has to be grown under certain conditions. Uh, those raw materials tend to be extremely expensive when you do find sources for them. So, you, you know, a company could say, hmm, okay, I'll go that route where I'll spend, you know, $100 a pound for this special oil to put in the product and, and try and make the product, you know, primarily consist of this oil. Or... I can take the formula I've already developed where all the testing is done, all the work is done, and I'll throw in a tenth percent of that oil and just call that my natural product. Well, guess which one the company is going to tend to do? The cheaper approach is will tend to win out. And one of the things about keeping the cost down is for the consumer, think about it this way. Uh, when, when, you, when a natural product comes out first, it'll often be more filled with the natural ingredients and then over time the company will look to cut costs and they'll start cut, cutting the formula so they'll start cutting out the expensive ingredients in a formula and this is often the, the most natural things about the product and eventually so if something's been on the market for a few years companies are driven to you know make profits and make more profits every year and so one of the ways to do that is to make their formulas less expensive, and one of the ways to do that is to get rid of, uh, is to do some greenwashing. I think that's especially true if you're looking at mass market brands where you know profit margin will be key. If you look at some of the more 
exotic um, niche brands where they're charging, you know, two or three times more for the product because they know that uh, those those relatively few natural consumers will pay almost anything to get that. Those are a little more price elastic, right? Their formulas have got enough profit in them already, so they're less likely to have to try and trim it uh, down a little bit. But certainly at the mass market level, you have to watch out for that. Right. And I'll give you one more reason that I think these greenwashing is going to stick around. There are really no standards, uh, no standards, no governmental standards, no standards that are accepted by consumers. Uh, the reality is that if you want to call your product natural, um, you can just call it that. And if you want to call it organic, you know, it's you can you can call it that too. Your cosmetics. Now you can't say organically certified by the USDA, but that's a different thing. Consumers don't really recognize that. Uh, if what they do recognize is if they have your favorite brand name on there and it has the word natural or organic or green on there and it has a leaf on the packaging. <laughs> uh, pretty much anybody can make any product and call it natural or green. And that that sort of brings the discussion full circle. You know, In part one of our discussion last week's episode, we talked about uh, Target and, and Walmart in particular having some new initiatives to be more transparent and to have their um, beauty product providers tell consumers more about what's in them, how are they made, and so on and so forth. So the marketplace tends to be driving toward a little more, uh, if not a standard, at least more transparent information for consumers. So we'll we'll see where that takes us. So, all right, so Perry, just kind of sum up for us then. What's the bottom line here for the consumer when it comes to greenwashing? Look, the bottom line is that you're going to see cosmetic marketers market towards you and say that their products are green and natural, and unless you really investigate the product and look at the raw materials and, well, and ask the beauty brains, yeah. uh, ask somebody, some expert who knows, you're not going to be able to tell whether a product is really a green product or a natural product or whether it's just a greenwashing campaign. So if consumers do want to read more about greenwashing and, and bogus cosmetic claims and other beauty myths, where, where would you recommend they go for that? Well, the best place to find out more about that is in our new book, uh, It's Okay to Have Lead in Your Lipstick. Wow, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, and answers to other beauty questions you're dying to know, and that's available on Amazon.com, on iTunes, and other fine bookstores everywhere. If you landed a paper copy of the book, and, which we will also include like a little post-it note signature uh, on the book. Wow, you can, uh, you mean, you uh, can get, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You get a you can copy of our book autographed by the authors? Yeah, at oh. least until, uh, until supplies run out. <laughs> As they say. Yeah, and if you wanted that, you could go to our website, thebeautybrains.com, and get your copy there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and uh, and like us on Facebook. Yes, you know we're the whole social media. We're what one person away from five thousand for Facebook. Well, but yeah, by the time people hear this, we'll probably be up to like you know five thousand and four. <laughs> we're five thousand and five. You know why I like five thousand and five? It's a palindrome. Palindrome, right? Five thousand five. <laughs> yeah, if you had your way, though, we, we would have stopped our listeners at forty-four. So. <laughs> you would have. All right, looks like the time has come to the end here. Ah, this was fun. I'm, I'm sorry it's over. Thanks for uh, participating, Randy, and I look forward to our next show. Can we come back next week and do another one of these? <laughs> we can. Ah, awesome. But 
And I hope the listeners come back to listen. Oh, me too. All right. Well, until then, uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks, everybody. 